Welcome to the Sobristers podcasts. We've got um, a brand new two members from Sobristers speaking tonight to join us talking about toolkits and the strategies, tools and techniques they used in the first few weeks of sobriety to help them stay sober. Ray Ray Sober is joining, joining us and she's been alcohol free for two years and Icarus 12 is also joining us and she has been sober for 20 months. We're very grateful and appreciative of your time and really looking forward to talking to you both tonight. I'm going to just ask Icarus 12, first of all, what tools, techniques did you rely upon the most in the first few weeks and months of your sobriety? Absolutely. Number one was connection and committing on the site, on the 100-day thread and making that commitment to check in daily, to find myself part of a community of people that actually got me um, so that I didn't feel alone. And that was a transformation for me. That was the biggest mindset change. And then learning about toolkits. So I, I really didn't know what they were when I started. I thought, oh my God, you know, I don't know what these are. How am I <laughs> gonna do this? Um, and so I read, I read every day and made notes. I had a little notebook. I thought, oh, this is, that's a good idea. I can get on with that. But I would say, you know, the commitment, the pledging, that connection is absolutely the bedrock. It was in my early days and it still is today. Um, I would say blogging, reading the blogs, writing the blogs, learning to discover my feelings, how I felt about things, how I felt about I was going on my journey. I'm, I'm, I'm at an age where, you know, I've had a very checkered history with alcohol. So I knew something had to be different this time if I was going to make it stick and I was desperate for it to stick. So I took lots of, you know, took on board lots of the advice, which was reading Quitlet and the blogs formed a big part of that on the site. Um, be learning that self-care wasn't selfish. That was also a big thing for me, that it was a good idea to look after myself because obviously all that time using alcohol was just a complete abuse of myself. And also to do the things that would help me establish new associations, better associations for all the time I used to be drinking. So I would say if somebody's sort of new to it, it's very much, you know, if you've got a wine o'clock trigger, do something else at that time, move yourself away from the environment you drink in normally, establish a new routine. For me, that was a lot more getting outside, going for walks when I could, exercise generally, um, and being kind to myself so that if I needed some ice cream and needed to go to bed early, that was exactly what I did. And just all those things and then treating myself, you know, because I was finally thought I was worth it. So maybe a bunch of flowers, a plant, and even every milestone now, like 500 days or 600 days coming up, I'll buy something nice or I'll book a really nice massage something that makes me feel good about myself. Um, and I think all of those things are really important. And also learning to sit with your feelings. Um, and another story has reminded me today of the RAIN acronym, which is you know, recognizing your feelings, um, accepting them, uh, investigating them, and then actually nurturing them. So instead of all those years of 
dumbing down or, you know, absolutely knocking out my feelings with alcohol. I was learning to sit with them. And there were there was so much, you know, so much good advice every day on the hundred thread that 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 was my go to. That was the very first thing I did in the morning. It was the last thing I did at night and I'd pop in during the day. Anytime I was feeling wobbly or wavering, I had it on my, you know, I've got it on my phone. I had it on my iPad. That was where I went. And, and I think that's it. There was always this amazing tribe of sober warriors. And that was a wonderful phrase for me that was in my pocket. Brilliant. Well, you know, I mean, you were talking there about connection and, you know, the sort of discovering soberistas and the community, I suppose, that knowledge that other people have gone through what you're going through or have been through what you're going yeah. through. That, that personally to me was huge as well. That, that idea that it's not just me was massive. And I think that's, there, there is a big sense of relief, isn't there, that you can find in any online community or real life community, that, that recognition that it's not just you. Did you also find, well, you mentioned the writing and the blogs, that sort of cathartic, um, that cathartic element of writing that it helped you? Did it speed up your processing of what you were going through, do you think, writing? Because I know that was a big help to me personally, was writing. It was enormous, enormous help. So, and I now will journal daily. Part of, um, I did The Artist's Way with Running Girl, who you had on before. And that is very much, you know, morning pages. But the blogs particularly helped me be honest with myself, which was a huge part of the process for me. And all that support you get as well when you write a blog, you don't, you don't feel seen. I, I mean, I, I live in a different country from an awful lot of the Soberistas family. And you're, you know, I could feel quite alone. And I'd put something on a blog, this is how I'm feeling, this is what I'm going through. And the amazing, support that you will get if it's somebody saying oh yeah I really get you I really understand and so people from all over the world you're connecting with and I felt part of a family part of a tribe and that was a, that's a huge mental shift for me and it's how I feel today 20 months on wow how nice that's lovely to hear so yeah. Ray Ray Sober, what about you? What what got you through the first few weeks and months? Yeah, I think Chris 12 has said so many amazing things um, that it's it's quite hard to follow that because I think she's made so many good points. Um, and I, I have to agree with probably every single one of them, absolutely. Um, I know for me, I found Soberistas, you know, kind of early in my journey uh, before I did quit for good. So I kind of knew about Soberistas. And then when I did quit, this time um, I immediately got back on there and the first probably 30 days I was just reading other blogs and that was super helpful um, and then from probably about day 30 onwards I started blogging every day and I think I blogged every day for the first up until at least day 200 which wow. is quite a lot <laughs> so I'm sure everyone was sick of me at one point <laughs> I was on there every single day but um it really really did help me just work through all of that stuff that I had and just get it all out and like um you've both said you know the support network was just so it was just such a revelation to me because I I had felt so alone previously and although I dipped my toe into Soberistas before 
I don't know what it was this time it just seemed to really be more of a thing and I just I just found myself connecting with so many other you know sober people and sober women on the site um so that yeah I have to say soberistas you know I don't think it would have stuck if it wasn't for soberistas. Something was different and and there was a shift in how you sort of uh reacted or or um interacted with soberistas is is that shift your is it a desire to really stop that you kind of perhaps the first time you were dipping a toe in and you weren't quite ready to do it yeah you were ready to do it you invested in it more absolutely yeah the first times it was I don't know like I was in my 20s surrounded by drinkers and although I was interested in sobriety it it was just yeah dipping my toe in almost so I'd have I went through probably a two-year period where I'd do like 30 days of sobriety and then I'd go back to drinking so I, I had the kind of sober curiosity for a couple of years and then and then it stuck and then that's when I really invested that time into Soberistas and that's when it kind of really paid off definitely. And accountability, let's go back to Icarus, what did you feel, I mean how much of a part did accountability play? You mentioned sort of being accountable to yourself through writing and accountability on Soberistas and accountability on the 100 day thread, which is like a next level accountability. So how important is accountability in staying sober? For me, it was the complete change in mindset for me. It's, I, I, if I ever felt, I, oh, you know, the, the thoughts would come in or maybe I could have a drink. And I thought, well, I couldn't. I'd have to go on and tell everyone tomorrow. I really don't want to do that. You know, these people are really, really cheering me on now. All I've got to do is just get through today. Yeah, then I can say to them tomorrow, yeah, I had might have had a difficult night, but um, but I got through it and I'm awake, sober, hangover free. So the accountability was a big part of me changing my mindset. Um, but it also was a huge part in helping me realise that I cared, cared about other people and cared about myself again, which is obviously something that goes out the window when you're drinking and consistently drinking for years. So I think the accountability, it perhaps becomes less in terms later on in the sobriety. I don't feel I have to check in every day. I, I usually do. I'll read something and probably, you know, be on the site still every day somewhere. Um, but the, the accountability put me in a different mindset right from the word go. I felt I, I, I cared about these people. I didn't want to let them down and, that, and therefore I didn't want to let myself down. That's and I never, interesting. So yeah. it's, it's related to self-esteem as well then, isn't it? So in, in being accountable and connecting to other people, you were able to increase your own self-worth. Very much so, because it was something... I was doing and the thing that when I actually got to the 100 days and I got my certificate you know everybody cheers everybody else on the 100 and I was so excited I was so proud of it you know I've still got it printed out I've still got it beside me things like that cheer you on but also you start yeah I started to value myself again I can do this because these people are believing in me you know I had my other half who's you know, we've been together 30 years. So he's been through me saying, yeah, I'm quitting. I'm giving up this time. Yeah, for good. Oh God, you know, and then months later or maybe a year later, back into the awful spiral and back as bad again. 
So I kept very quiet about my connection with Soberistas for the first hundred days. And he was the one that said to me when I, when I said, oh, by the way, it's a hundred days. And he was sort of like, I don't know what it is, but it has made such a difference to you. And he, and I told him about the site and about the people and around the world. And he said, it, whatever it is, it's amazing. Because wow. it, has, it has transformed you. And when we stop drinking, I, I always say it's the worst time, really, to be able to, to be embarking on this challenge when you've got such low self-esteem, such little yeah. faith in yourself, you know, such little emotional resilience. And then you've got to sort of pull it, whatever you've got out of the bag and really, really like do this massive thing that's probably the biggest mountain you're ever going to climb. So it, it, it's really interesting what a, a, a part of your your journey in the early weeks that played in in building your self-esteem just that connection with other people and feeling as if people were bothered i suppose so you must mm. because people cared about whether you drank or not yeah and cheered you on yeah. and said well done and you know people cared that you were there if you if yeah. you missed a day because, because early on i had i was i went away on a trip and couldn't check in for a couple of days i remember reporting back and saying wow i didn't drink and they were like yay well done you you know great stuff you know you can do it and, and we know it's easy to isolate when you drink most of us isolate when you drink so it's it's kind of the opposite of that isn't it it's it's reconnecting so, to people and coming out of that isolation and remembering that it feels nice to be connected to people yeah yeah. and care and care okay. about people and have people care about you yeah brilliant so ray ray you um also we've talked a, bit, a little bit there about the early weeks what about the first big hurdle that you faced what was your sort of first real big challenge oh yeah um gosh um possibly socializing was a big one um as I said at the time when I quit I think I was maybe I was 30 I can't quite remember um but I was still in that kind of socializing going to pubs going out and I think the first time I went I don't live in London but I went to visit some friends in London and oh gosh that yeah that was um a very interesting uh, experience because I tried to kind of shoehorn myself into my old socializing and ended up in a beer garden in London for just about 10 hours in the freezing cold with everyone around me chain smoking and drinking <laughs> um and I it, like, that was not a good thing to do um and not very fun so I definitely learned a you know a good lesson from that of you know maybe not just trying to shoehorn myself into that anymore and maybe I had changed and maybe I did want different things and maybe I could socialize in a slightly different way um so that was probably one hurdle, but you know, I, I got through it and I was I was still sober. And the next day had um, a lovely brunch with friends and that was delightful because there was no one drinking. And, you know, so I learned kind of how to adapt. Um, so that was probably one. And then I think probably the, the big one was Christmas, um, to be honest with you. I know a lot of us get to Christmas and think, goodness, how am I gonna get through this? Um, I know for me, my family, Christmas is always, a pretty alcohol heavy affair so those neural pathways the associations were very very strong for me with you know Christmas and alcohol um but I've now got two sober Christmases under my belt and you know feeling much more positive about that and you know it can be done and it can I think I think this Christmas actually that just passed bizarrely was probably one of my favorite Christmases ever even though I wasn't with half my family and it was maybe that's why <laughs> 
that's, I love my family, but maybe that's why. So it's a very kind of calm, chilled out occasion when nobody, you know, drank loads and it, it just was really nice. Um, yeah, things like but that. And, with the first Christmas, what did you, I mean, did you wine knuckle it? Did you have sort of particular strategies that you relied upon? What, how did you get through it? Um, I think I stayed very close to Soberistas. Um, I definitely was kind of checking in daily. I was, I'd probably, I know I listened to a lot of podcasts. So I think I listened to, for example, you know, the Love Sober podcast. They did a couple of episodes about um, kind of preparing for Christmas. Um, and then I tried to, you know, get kind of alternative drinks in. I tried to, you know, get treats for myself and make sure I was really, you know, kept the self-care really high around that time, um, checked in with kind of sober friends I've met, you know, through Soberistas. Um, and to be honest, yeah, I suppose, I don't know if there was white knuckling. It, I, I wasn't tempted to drink, but I do remember feeling relieved when it was kind of done. Like, okay, well, that that's that's really good. I got kind of, I did that. Um, and then I suppose it's just like anything you, it's kind of like a skill, isn't it, that you practice. So this Christmas, although it was different circumstances, I kind of knew what the deal was. I knew what to do. I knew to get myself some nice other, you know, drinks and I knew to leave. I knew to kind of have a plan in my head as to when I would be leaving and I could get home without relying on anyone and things like that. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of that is around sort of self-compassion, isn't it? And giving yourself the, um, giving yourself permission to adapt and to do the things that are okay and manageable and to maybe opt out of some things and call it an early night when you need to and just look after yourself so that you're not expecting to just coast through it. You're expecting, if you ex expect that it's going to be a little bit difficult, you anticipate where the problems might be but then you anticipated, oh, sorry, you gave yourself permission mm -hmm. to look after yourself and be kind to yourself to get through it, which is yeah. really important. Absolutely. Yeah. I think in the early days, I was quite keen to do everything that I used to do and, you know, prove to everyone that I could be just as fun and I could stay up just as late as everyone or whatever it might be. And I think quite quickly, yeah, like you say, I had that compassion for myself and understanding that, you know, if I wanted to have an early night, that was fine. I didn't need to kind of prove anything to anyone and just be a little bit not selfish but just look after myself no it's not selfish and, and especially you know when we think about the wider implications of drinking if it's a problem drink you know if it's problem drinking especially it's really not selfish to look after yourself to make sure you stay sober that's you know absolutely a selfless yeah. thing in my mind I think you know Icarus you talked about that as well didn't you that sort of you know, the relationship with your husband and him sort of being surprised about how things have been different this time and you just stuck at it. As he Was that sort of something that he noticed as well, that you were looking after yourself a bit more? Oh, yes. I mean, he's, he can't believe how, you know, he, now he'll sort of say things like, are you sure you're not doing too much exercise and things like that? Because, you know, I'll say, well, I'm off to Pilates or I'm doing yoga or, I, or I'm off for a walk now. He, he's basically incredibly proud of me he's really proud that I'm sober and um and that that I'm happy with it and I think that's the huge difference that's, that Soberistas has made to me is it's shown me by doing all these things I was recommended by sticking with it one day at a time that I could actually be happily sober and that was something 
I'd never contemplated before, I never thought could be achieved. And so, you know, obviously sobriety doesn't just make everything, you know, rosy and pink clouds, although there's lots of that as well. But it just gives you the ability to deal with life better and take care of yourself better. And within that, then all of these things, you know, going to bed early, if I needed to go to bed early, I'd say, right, don't kind of go with my book. And um, things like recognizing the triggers as well and responding to those. And as I said, taking care of myself, which isn't selfish because the selfishness was when I drank because then I was ruining myself, my life here, and my husband's life, and my family's life, who were back in England, worried the whole time whether they were going to hear from me again sometimes. Well, you've done a fantastic job, both of you. It's, it's very impressive. What about complacency and the, the sort of creeping, can I drink now that I've done X amount of time sober? Did you both experience that? I'll go back to Ray Ray. Did you experience a complacency moment? I did, yes, um, which I'm very happy to talk about. Um, so I know you mentioned that I've been sober for two years and I did mention that um, about just over, I think it was just over a year sober, I did have um, a, a little lapse. So I did have um, literally a handful of drinks in a two week period. Um, and I suppose it was for exactly that reason. Um, you know, life had so improved. I was doing so well. I was so in such a good place. Um, new job, new, new life, feeling really healthy and happy. And I thought to myself, you know, in that in that way that happens. Um, oh, you know, well maybe I can drink now. Maybe I can moderate. Maybe I've changed. And that kind of nagging voice in my head. One day, I just found myself doing that and having a drink. Um, and. Yeah, I suppose I, I do feel very lucky that it, it was such a small brief lapse and very quickly, you know, I realised I absolutely don't want that. It's, it's nothing there to, you know, that I want. I don't want to drink. I'm much, much happier just being my great kind of sober self. So I think I was lucky. And I suppose I did probably sit and examine what had happened afterwards so that it wouldn't happen again because I realised I really didn't want it to happen again. Um, to be honest it's been nearly another year now since that happened and it's never ever occurred to me to have a drink since then because I just you know I've learned from that experience and I realized I absolutely don't want to there's no appeal to me whatsoever um, so I don't know if it's just something that I had to go through you know I don't I wouldn't want other people to have to go through that but I think for me it was just I had to just test that boundary to know you know have I changed has anything changed of course the answer was no nothing's changed you know alcohol still the same and you know that's I, that's I'm sure quite a common experience maybe that Absolutely. people and it's a really powerful thought isn't it it's really sort of insidious and powerful little thought that creeps in and, and won't go away and so you know for for a long time sometimes so I think for a lot of people that it's like an itch that needs to be scratched isn't it not that mm -hmm. I'm advising it but if you do I think it's a really good you know it's a good take you've got on it that you just look at it as a opportunity to learn and get back on track and you know don't beat yourself up about it because I felt very reassured as well because I did you know I got back straight on and so baristas and I shared with everyone you know this has happened and you know of course it's such a non-judgmental positive space of course everyone encouraged me and you know nobody was kind of guilting me or anything so 
you know and I think because I had that it meant that I could just let that go and it was just a lapse and then I that was just it I didn't have to kind of dwell on it and didn't have to escalate into a longer kind of relapse so yeah it doesn't motivate us at all anyway beating ourselves up and hating ourselves so good I'm glad we didn't but it's um it's an interesting sort of phenomenon the the old complacency thing did you have you experienced it Icarus oh unfortunately <laughs> far too much not thank god in this period but the never ever become complacent was a mantra I held and still hold very dear because that has always been my downfall in the past. Uh, after a year of not drinking or something, I'd say, yeah, I'd be all right. I'm all right. I can have another drink, you know. Um, and I wasn't really that bad. All of the lies, the, all the odd moderation monster lies. And always, within a short period of time, I would be back in that downward spiral and back to where I was again. So complacency was something I have guarded against almost zealously because it ties in with obviously never questioning the decision I've now made, um, that alcohol doesn't have a place in my life and doesn't serve me in any way at all. And once I know that truth and accept that truth, then I can't unlearn that. And moderation, in any shape or form is not something that works for me or I ever want to work for me again. And that is why complacency has no, I can have no truck with it basically. I have, I have to be as absolute as that. I cannot become complacent. So have the niggling thoughts ever crept in and you've just quickly squashed them or have you had no thoughts? Oh, oh yeah, of course. I mean, there's been occasions when, I mean, I would, I had to go, and um, into the into one of the capital cities on my own a couple of months ago, and I was wandering around and I thought, oh, you know, I would be able to have a drink today. Um, you know, nobody would know, nobody's here, um, and I and I just sort of sat with those feelings, and that's what I think the whole point of the toolkit is: is teaching you how to sit with those feelings to understand that a craving and I had a lot of cravings in the early day you know I was quite heavily you know quite heavily using alcohol before I stopped so inevitably there were physical cravings as well as the mental ones associated with it and learning to sit with those and treat them like a wave a wave coming onto the shore you know they would they would reach a peak and then they would go and just sit with those, do whatever it took in that moment, get onto Soberistas, you know, read a book, go for a walk, get out of the situation that was threatening me, be it a social situation, home situation. So of course there's been times when the, the thought, yes, it would be nice, but I just don't entertain them anymore because it's not a possibility for me. I don't want it anymore. Um, and it, it, I'm not saying that's, you know, I'm never gonna have times in the future, but I will hold that mantra close. Never ever become complacent because it does me no good. Yeah, so that's really interesting. And um, just we're coming to the end of the podcast. So that's, and I want to finish 
with that thought because I think that's so helpful for people. It's not attaching to that thought, not giving it any credence or believe in it, but recognizing that it's transient, it's emotional response to something, some situation or some feeling that you've got, and it's not real and it'll pass. So if you if you mm. believe that and you sort of have your faith in it passing, it's it becomes more tolerable, doesn't it, to feel that yes. great thing because you know it's not going to last forever. It's not it's not like we're going to be sat with this feeling for the rest of our lives. It's just going to be an hour or a couple of hours and then it'll pass, which is a great tool toolbox tool, isn't it? To have yeah. it's one of the, play it through you know play the movie to the end is another Let's one. Go. A lot of people use but that one I think is for me is the most powerful that idea that our emotions and our and the cravings and the triggers are all transient so if you just mm. trust that they'll pass it diffuses the power quite quickly and they do pass yeah brilliant so final piece of advice from both of you to um our listeners Ray Ray Sober what would you say is your your key bit of toolbox advice that you want to pass on from your brilliant two years of sobriety oh gosh that's quite a <laughs> <laughs> <you> on the spot. <laughs> um yeah I think I think probably is all down to the self-care to be honest I know we've already kind of touched on that but I think um I know for me when my self-care is there and I'm you know getting sleep and I'm looking after myself and my life is in balance then there's no space for alcohol there's no desire for it and it doesn't even enter into my head so I suppose it's just being really um kind of fiercely protective of that and remembering of course it's not selfish it's absolutely vital for you to do whatever you need to do to protect your sobriety and and just keeping that self-care really really high I think that's probably the biggest thing for me fantastic thank you and Icarus you're have you got one more final little gem? I, I totally agree with Ray Ray on the self-care um for me I think keep connected whatever you do keep connected on the site in whatsapp groups with your sober tribe be kind to yourself be gentle treat yourself preciously because you what you're doing is a very very important thing it's the best thing you'll ever do for yourself and believe in yourself it's a positive choice there's no there's no missing out all you're missing out on is all the shit and rubbish what you're gaining is beyond belief to be honest so stick with it wonderful thank you so much to both of you um that was that was so helpful i'm sure to everybody listening and we've loved talking to you for the, your first podcast appearance tonight we will be talking to you again in a couple of weeks for our next podcast so thank you very much and uh, and bye to all our listeners thank you bye thank you bye